It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Is cancer inevitable? That's a question many of us ask ourselves. While a cancer diagnosis is scary, according to today's guest, Dr. Ashani Waratna, there's growing evidence that fewer cancers will be a death sentence. Dr. Waratna joins us today to discuss the latest cancer research and what the future may hold. Dr. Waratna was appointed to the National Cancer Advisory Board by President Biden in 2021 and is recognized by the National Cancer Institute as a top five researcher. She is the E.V. McCollin Chair of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology at the John Hopkins School of Public Health and is author of the book, Is Cancer Inevitable? Welcome, Dr. Waratna. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. So, Doctor, just about everyone is familiar with the word cancer. But what is it that actually happens in the body that results in a cancer diagnosis? So when a, cancer, when a cell becomes a cancer cell, it's usually a normal cell that has gone awry. Um, there are genetic changes that happen within the cell that make it start to grow out of control. And you can, you know, it's often described in the cancer field as a car that starts to move. And you can move the car either by stepping on the gas or... Um, releasing the brake. And that's basically what happens in cancer cells. There are mechanisms that kick in that either cause the cancer cell to grow uncontrollably or stop it from dying when it should die. Is it true that we all have cancerous cells every day, but that the immune system gets rid of it? Um, That is basically true. We have cells that we call initiated cells, so cells that have undergone some damage to their DNA, to the genetic material inside them um, that exists, that have the propensity to become a tumor cell. Uh, Many of those are eradicated by our immune system, and many of those just sit there and don't really do anything uh, either. So what is it then that triggers those cells to grow beyond what the immune system can handle? So we've been really interested um, in my lab in particular in understanding the impact of age on those particular cells. There are other people who have looked at different, um, many, many different triggers to making a cancer cell become a cancer cell. You know, there's what we call the two-hit hypothesis, which is that if, if there's an, one of those initiated cells that has a mutation in their DNA, so, you know, a change in their genetic code, um, but then it acquires another hit to that DNA, then that cell becomes a cancer cell. Something we've been looking at is the fact that you know, we know that aging is intricately linked to cancer, right? 90% of the people who get cancer are over the age of 50. 90% of the people who die from cancer are over the age of 50. And so we asked, is there something that's changing in the environment around those tumor cells uh, that becomes, um, that drives those tumor cells to become cancerous? And so we've been looking at changes in the immune cells as well as 
changes in cells called fibroblasts that provide a lot of structure for um, any organ in the body. And we have been fascinated to see that as we age, those normal cells also age and they start to have very different conversations with the tumor cells than they used to when they were young. Does the risk increase as we get older? The risk for cancer, the incidence rates, and the risk for dying from cancer all increase as we age. Um, and also, sadly, our response to therapy is uh, much, much more muted as we age as well. You know, what's interesting about this research, I remember people used to say that as if they made it to age 60 or 70 and beyond and they never had a cancer diagnosis, they almost felt like they were out of the woods, like I made it to this point and I'll be fine. And and your research is actually showing the opposite. Yes. So, you know, it's, it is interesting because um, there is an age. So over the age of 85, in many, many cancers, we see the incidence rate start to drop. So it's not entirely untrue that that's the case. It's that, it's that sort of uh, 50 to 75 age range that is the dangerous age range, if you will, for cancer. Um, but I, I actually agree with that. Like if you've made it to 85 or 90, uh, it's less likely. Now, whether that's actually less likely that you're going to get cancer or whether it's um, that you're going to die of something else because you're 85 or 90 uh, is unclear. So we, we don't really understand that dip off at that later age. So it makes a lot of sense, this type of research, because people are living longer. So these types of things are showing up now. That's right. And I often say, you know, we weren't meant to live this long, right? If you think about our Neanderthal ancestors uh, who lived in caves, they lived a full life and were done by the time they were 40. Um, and now, thanks to modern medicine, to antibiotics, you know, penicillin in particular, I think increased the, uh, the survival rate of humans by a good 20 years. Um, we are living way longer than we were supposed to live, so all of the mechanisms that are supposed to keep these cancer cells in check start to break down as we age. And uh, you're absolutely right, um, because we live longer, we're more susceptible to these different diseases and uh, negative outcomes. So you describe some of the things that happen to us physically as we age. Are there things that we do in our life, you know, the type of life that we lead, that accelerate that? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, um, the cancer that I work on in particular is melanoma, which is a very aggressive form of skin cancer. And obviously, now that I've said the word skin cancer, you know that I'm going to say, you know, uh, tanning, uh, tanning beds, going out, tanning at the beach, all of those are things that prematurely age your skin. And we actually see that in our lab when we look at uh, the normal cells that are in your skin, when we look at uh, the same signatures in older people compared to young people who've had tanning history, uh, there's a lot of similarities there. So tanning can prematurely age you. Uh, smoking prematurely ages your skin and your lungs and many, many other things in your body. So yes, you're absolutely right. There are lifestyle choices we can make that uh, will prevent premature aging. Which do you think is more important, heredity or epigenetics lifestyle? So, for example, someone like me, if we have anyone listening who's like me, my brother died of leukemia, my sister and father both died of lung cancer. So looking at me genetically, I would be of a higher risk. But how much of a say do I actually have in determining whether or not I develop cancer? So, you know, that's 
um, a really great question. So there are some cancers where the genetics, you know, override everything, right? Uh, but there are many cancers, like your family history, for example, where there are things you can do to protect yourself. You can not smoke. You can not tan. Um, you can eat a healthy diet. You can exercise. All of those things are going to help lower your risk, um, even though you may have a higher risk than others. Making good lifestyle choices can definitely lower your your, uh, your risk, and if you were to develop cancer, help you deal uh, more effectively with the therapies that you're going to receive or um, just the side effects of the cancer itself. So I think, you know, we always advocate a healthy lifestyle, um, whether or not, I guess it's the title of the book, right, is Cancer Inevitable, (laughs) whether or not the cancer is inevitable, nonetheless, I think, um, is still in question. I've actually seen something, I think it was like a one in two chance of getting cancer over the age of 50. First, is that correct? Is that a, an accurate statistic? Yes, it's very high. Okay, yes. so if you're looking at a 50% chance then, what does this mean for us? You know, what is the science saying about the future of cancer? Is it promising for healing? Do you think we'll ever eradicate it? So, you know, in a way, it's kind of why I wrote this book. It was during a time in the pandemic where everything felt really dark and depressing. It still feels dark and depressing, honestly. Um, But I wanted to sort of write this book a little bit as a sign of hope because, you know, I have a lot of friends and a lot of family who are not scientists and they will ask me, well, why haven't you cured cancer yet? You spent all this, all your time working. We never see you, but yet you haven't cured cancer, right? And I tell them, you know, it's amazing though how far we've come. So while cancer itself might be inevitable, dying from cancer, I think, is no longer inevitable. And, you know, I've spent almost 30 years researching cancer at this point, and I'm amazed at how far we've come because we have, you know, we would see melanoma patients coming in the door with a stage 4 diagnosis 10 years ago. That was a complete death sentence, right? And today, um, 25 to 30% of those patients are actually surviving 10 years or longer, like basically being cured of their disease. And that is just an absolute um, a revelation in cancer research. It's the same for breast cancer. It's the same for many, many other cancers where now we have medications and therapies that are allowing patients to live completely healthy lives um, even though they've had cancer. Because of the pandemic, we we're all learning a lot about viruses and about variants and how things change. When cancer develops, is it, and I know which person's body is different, but the the mutation of the cells, is that pretty standard or does that vary as time goes on? So it varies not only from cancer to cancer, but even within cancer types. So cancers that we see developing in older people have a very different mutational spectrum than cancers that we see developing in younger people. Cancers that we see in melanoma look completely different than uh, cancer cells in pancreatic tumors. So it is very, very different, and that's why it's so hard to come up with a, you know, a one-size-fits-all cure. Even within a cancer type, uh, there are so many different subtypes of cancer. So, Doctor, not only are you a pioneering researcher, but you've also had your own experience with cancer. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what you learned from that on a personal level? Absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's a little, I, I always like to emphasize the fact that 
my lesion was very, very pre-malignant. It was not, I would not call it cancer, but it was startling because, you know, I work on melanoma and a form of melanoma called acral lentigious melanoma is, affects people of color. And just because of what I do, I know what that looks like. And so I was getting a pedicure and I looked down at my feet and it looked literally like someone had drawn a line straight down my nail with a Sharpie. And I was like, whoa, I know what that looks like. That looks like an ALM. Luckily for me, it wasn't yet an ALM. It was very, again, very pre-malignant. But I went straight to the dermatologist, had them remove my whole toenail um, because I didn't want it to even have a slight chance of developing into a melanoma. Um, And so I was lucky, right, because I knew what to look for. And so I actually went on Facebook and I posted about that experience and I gave, you know, I had a picture of um, what the lesion looked like. And a friend of mine saw that and she said, well, wait a minute, I saw that on my husband's toenail. I thought it was a fungus. And so I took him to the dermatologist. Like she sent me a message telling me all this. She's like, I took him to the dermatologist and it was actually a stage one melanoma and they removed it and he has a great prognosis because they caught it early enough. So, you know, I was really glad that I shared that story because um, it allowed her to look and see her husband who had a much more advanced stage than I did. Is that how melanoma usually presents in nail beds? No, that's actually a very rare form of melanoma. Um, It tends to affect everybody, but really it is the most predominant form of melanoma in people of color. It's actually what Bob Marley died of. Mm -hmm. Um, He had that on his toenail and it spread eventually to his brain. Um, But in general, melanoma presents as a lesion on your skin. uh, That's called cutaneous melanoma. It looks like a little mole. And we use a system to diagnose melanomas called the ABCDE of melanoma. So A stands for asymmetry. If the borders of a mole are, um, I mean, if the mole is different in any way, like if it's bigger on one side than the other, if the color is different in one side than the other, so on. B stands for borders. If the mole has very smooth borders, it's probably unlikely to be a melanoma. Um, But if the borders are ragged or scalloped, it's probably more likely to be a melanoma. If the color, which is the C, is is different um, or dark or red, um, you know, you should get the mole checked out. If the diameter is really large, you should get the mole checked out. And most importantly is the E, which is evolving. If the mole is changing at all or like it used to be itchy, but it's not, it wasn't itchy before, but now it's itchy or it was black and now it's red. Um, or the borders are starting to look more scalloped, you should definitely go get that checked because really early diagnosis is key to a good outcome. So doctor, it is now pool and beach season. What do you want us to know in addition to what you've already told us about skin cancer? What else do you want us to know? Um, I would love for people to, you know, seek shade, wear UV shirts, white brimmed hats, um, reapply. There's some block. I often have people saying to me, um, I don't want to see you this summer because I look really tan, but I promise I've been wearing my sunblock. <laughs> and I say, well, you've got to reapply. <laughs> yeah, most of my friends avoid me all summer. It's very lonely in the summer. I would be avoiding you too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, And so, um, you know, so wear your sunblock, try to stay out of the sun at the height of the day um, and seek shade. You know, it really is something you can do to prevent uh, melanoma and skin cancer because it's one of the few cancers whose incidence rates are rising. People like your friends and like me who have done a lot of damage over the years, is it too late 
to reverse what we've already done to ourselves? Um, is it too late to reverse it? Yeah, the maybe, damage. But it's not, yeah, it's may, maybe. Um, you probably have initiated cancer cells, you know, in your skin. We all do. Um, and the, but the truth is that by taking, you know, care of your health, eating right, exercising, um, you know, cutting down on sugar, um, all of those are lifestyle changes that can really help uh, overcome some of the effects of, you know, uh, cancer. And again, not everybody, even if you have initiated tumor cells in your skin, not everyone is going to progress to cancer. So it's just like with any other type of cancer, healthy lifestyle, um, following preventative measures, even if we've done the damage, we can hopefully stop progression. That's correct. Um, but making making good lifestyle choices, we're realizing more and more how important that is, um, how obesity affects cancer, how smoking and tanning we already knew about. Um, but just, you know, cutting down sugar, there's some great research being done on alcohol as well. So none of this is pleasant news. <laughs> but, um, you know, they, they really do have an impact on tumor cells. But, you know, it's interesting because every doctor that I interview for this show no matter what the health topic is, it all boils down to the same type of advice. It's the things that we do have a lot of control over, stress and diet and sleep and exercise. It's really just, you know, keeping ourselves as healthy as possible, keeping our immune system in top fighting form. And and no matter what the health condition is, and and I always like to, to leave people with hope because we do have power over all of this. That's right. I mean, in a way, that's why I wrote this book. Um, is to say, you know, we have power over some of this for sure. And for that, for the unlucky ones of us where um, the cancer does take hold, uh, there's still hope because we have so many great therapies today. And I think that's such an important message to leave everyone with, because as I said, cancer, you know, hearing those words, you have cancer, that's probably one of the biggest fears we have in life. And your book and and your research, it offers hope to all of us that if we do hear those words, it doesn't mean that we're going to have a death sentence, that there is a lot of hope. That's right. That's exactly right. And that that is the message I hope that everybody takes from the book. And the book is, Is Cancer Inevitable? Doctor, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your work? Um, Well, you can follow me on Twitter at AshaniTW. Um, you can also uh, visit our website at the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. And um, the book is available at Johns Hopkins Wavelength Press as well as Amazon. Doctor, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.